Wonderful. We've just been singing about Jesus, that rock, and, uh, and Jesus has a uh, very interesting dialogue here in this passage of Matthew 16, 13 to 18. Let me read it to you and you look along. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Syria, Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You know, so now we kind of personalize the question. He says, who do you say I am? That's what they say I am, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, which is Cephas, meaning reed. But on, uh, you were Cephas, he says, but Peter, sorry, right now. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, who Jesus Christ is has been a contentious issue over many thousands of years, ever since Jesus walked upon the earth. Contentious issue. And even more contentious has been the fact that people have the things that they've done in the name of Jesus. And if we, we're not going to go into a full history lesson tonight, but the reality is, um, unfortunately, the name of Jesus has been slandered and slurred over many years. I mean, if you go back to the Crusades, and those times, if you look at your history, when the Crusades invaded the Muslim countries and killed them, and no wonder the Muslims are now doing the same to Christians. But, you know, that was not a, in the name of Jesus. They were doing, murdering thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. If you went to the 1400s and see that the church, the English church in those days, and how they burnt people at the stake, for those who didn't believe in Christ or didn't have the same doctrine or beliefs as them. And, and there was a lady called uh, Joan of Arc in France who was burnt at the stake because she just didn't, she, she kind of bucked the system and didn't believe the same way as the Christian church in those days did. I mean, that's all done in the name of Jesus. It kind of didn't give Jesus a good name. And, and if we were to look at recent times and what's been happening in the name of Jesus, you know, unfortunately, over the last hundred or so years, children have been abused by men who claim the name of Jesus and who stand behind pulpits even. And, and that hasn't given Jesus a good name. But, uh, you know, so it hasn't gone well. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, there may have been terrible things done in the name of Jesus. But who knows tonight that that's not who really Jesus is? That's not what who Jesus is. And I want to tell you that. Uh, the, no, um, uh, the truth is, is that those type of things were done with people by people with selfish ambitions and probably possibly didn't know Jesus themselves. And so while Jesus' name may be a slander down through the centuries, uh, the other side of the coin is that the good news of Jesus has literally touched hundreds and millions of people and give them life and hope and a future, doesn't it? And so while there's been a bad side and people have misused the name of Jesus, now we do see that there's an incredible side. And many, even here tonight, you here tonight would sit here and would declare that Christ has changed my life, has done something in my life change it around and that's the good news isn't it and so the name of Jesus many times and from the very time Jesus made this statement who do people say that I am uh, we've seen people have misused the name but thankfully overall we've seen many millions literally have come to Christ um, which is incredible isn't it so 
So the truth is, they said, who, did, who people say that the Son of Man is? And in this passage, we read that it's, some said, that the disciples said, well, some say it's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, the prophets. And uh, if we were to look at the Aussie culture today, unfortunately, Jesus, really the name of Jesus is just a swear word to some people. Many people in Australia, unfortunately. But I want to tell you tonight, uh, he's far more than a swear word. Far more than a swear word. The name of Jesus. In actual fact, God said, you know, Jesus says, in my name, use my name. Uh, you shall lay hands on the sick and ask for healing in the name of Jesus. In my name. It's a powerful name. Um, as we go through, maybe over the, uh, over the centuries, we see different... Um, definitions of what people have tried to say about Jesus and what they've tried to put on Jesus. Some have said, well, he's just a great moral teacher. He's just a good man. Um, Time magazine, you may remember some many, many years ago, they had this to say about Jesus. The, the historical Jesus was a man just like Socrates or, or Gandhi or other wandering charismatic moralists. In other words, what they were saying is, they were just saying he was just another man, he was just a good man with a good message, and that was about it. And I want to, once again, he's more than just a man. He's more than any other man, and uh, he's more powerful than any other man. And he's not just some good teacher, he's more than that, isn't he? He's more than that. He was a great teacher, he was a great preacher. And uh, as we look at Jesus, multitudes followed him when he was here on the face of the earth. And he spoke things that never heard before. And they were amazed. They were amazed at Jesus' teaching. He didn't speak just about behavior. He literally went a little bit deeper and he spoke about attitude. And if you look in scripture, it, it, we see that it, you know, the Old Testament said, don't commit murder. But Jesus says, hey, even if you're angry, uh, that's like anger in your heart. He said, don't even do that. So he kind, of, he kind of went a little bit deeper. He talked about adultery. He says, you know, the Old Testament says don't commit adultery. But he says, even if you think about it, it's adultery in your heart. So Jesus took things, his principles and teachings were life-changing. And it's because of, of, of this we see that the way of Jesus and the way he taught and the way he touched people's lives, he had to, you know, to come to him and receive him, had to change something in your life. Something had to change. Something had to shift in your life. And uh, the truth is, he was the promised Messiah. Jesus was the promised Messiah. He just wasn't a good teacher. He just wasn't a good man. He just wasn't some great teacher or leader. He was the promised Messiah. And I find it fascinating this because more than 280 prophecies in the Old Testament talk about Jesus. And, you know, every one of them was fulfilled. They talk about his death, a lot about his death. They talk a lot about his resurrection. They talk a lot about his life. 280, over 280 prophecies were fulfilled as Jesus lived his life on the face of the earth. That were foretold hundreds of years earlier. You know, I, I, I read where the probability of that actually happening is quite incredible. It should have never happened. In actual fact, someone put it this way. They said, if you were to take a 20 cent piece, I mean, millions of 20 cent pieces, and lay them out all over the ground and it would completely fill the state of Queensland... And you took one of those 20 cent pieces and you painted it black and you just put it somewhere in the middle of Queensland. And if you jumped out of a plane and parachuted down and you landed on that 20 cent piece, the probability of that happening is pretty minute. Would you agree? You're finding that one 20 cent piece in such a big territory as Queensland. And yet that's the same probability they suggest that would be the same of all those prophecies coming to pass. And yet they did. 
I want to tell you it was more than just a coincidence. It was a God-ordained thing that what was established in Jesus Christ. God had a plan, didn't he? And his name was Jesus. And he established it. And I tell you what, it, wasn't the, it, it didn't have to be some kind of fluke. It, I tell you, it was God-ordained and God-orchestrated and God-organized. Jesus, his death, his resurrection, his life and all that happened to him. And God knew exactly what he was doing, um, who Jesus is. So, you know, tonight Jesus is the healer. Tonight Jesus is a restorer. Jesus is the oil and wine that pours on those who have been left for dead. I want to tell you, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the saviour. He releases the oppressed. He brings hope to the hopeless, strength to the weak, sight to the blind, everlasting life. Though he's the way, he's the truth, he is the life. He's the water of life. He's the good shepherd. He's the door to eternity, the almighty, the servant king, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's all of that and he's more. I think I need to be fitter, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who do you say but you know that the question is jesus said to, to the disciples who do they say i am and then he said but who do you say i am who do you say i am and now i want to ask the question of you tonight who do you say jesus is uh, because when he turned to the people he asked the question who do you say i am peter uh, he wasn't the brightest um, candle in the bunch but he spoke up and he said this he said, you know, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, um, man, Peter, you just got a revelation. You didn't think that up on your own. Actually, God just gave you a truth and a revelation right there. And that's so true. I am the son of the living God. And, and you know, but tonight, more importantly, I think that that question echoes down through history and asks you, who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? And more importantly, who, who, how is he outplayed in your life? Is he someone that maybe tonight you hear and you say, well, I don't know if he's that relevant. I don't know if he's that relevant. Or maybe tonight you say, well, he was just a man of history. He, he was just in history. But p- please listen tonight to what is the truth, the Word of God says. If he's the Son of God and if his death and resurrection is more than just an event, it's more than just a happening, it's more than just a blimp on the history record, it's more than that thing he's... His birth is more, and his death and resurrection is more than just something that separates AD from BC, BC from AD. It's more than that. It's a thing that it's significant for us because it established, uh, re-established the very thing that God wanted between us and God, and that was a relationship. And Jesus brought that opportunity through his death and resurrection. So we could believe in him and we could be forgiven for our sin and come into right relationship with God. I tell you... You won't stand before God just because you're a nice person, as nice as we all are tonight. Nice people, good people probably. Uh, But you won't stand before God for that reason. Um, That will not get you right with God. Would you agree? And when he died on the cross, it wasn't to bring you into a wonderful... It was to not just bring you into God's presence because you're good, but it was to bring you into his presence with God because you have a relationship with God. And you believe what Jesus Christ has done for you when he died and he rose again. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Would you agree? It's an incredible thing. Um, you know, and, and, and as I look at this passage of Scripture, not only did Jesus say, who do they say I am? And then he said, who do you say I am to the, to the disciples? But then he, started to, he said something about Peter and he started speaking to Peter's life. And he says, Peter, you know. Uh, you know, you're no longer 
who you used to be. You're going to be Peter the Rock. You're no longer going to be Simon the Cephas, Simon meaning Reed, but you're going to be something more. And tonight, uh, who does Jesus say you are? Who does Jesus say you are? Because Jesus said to Peter, your name was Cephas, meaning Reed. Your name is now Peter the Rock. And if you don't think the same way as God thinks about us, then we need to change our thinking because God looks at you. He sees more than maybe, just maybe, than you think about yourself. And the Bible is full of famous people who didn't think they were too much at all, but God showed them who they really are. Because the way God sees us is sometimes different to the way we think about ourselves. And we need to align ourselves with the way God sees us. There was a guy in the Bible in the Old Testament called Moses. Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, lived in Pharaoh's house. And in Pharaoh's house, he, of course, thought he was the answer for everything, in a sense. And then, of course, he had to flee into the backside of the desert. And for the next 40 years, he found out he wasn't anybody. And then for the last 40 years of his life, he discovered he was somebody as he then took the leadership of leading the whole children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt into the promised land. He didn't quite get there himself, but for the first 40, he thought he was somebody. For the next 40, he found out who he wasn't. And for the next 40 years, he found out who he was. He was someone in God. And he was to fulfill God's destiny for his life. There was many people like that. It was Gideon. And Gideon said, you're a man of valor. Long before Gideon ever done anything. And Gideon said, I'm the least of the least. How could I ever be a man of great valor and leadership? And yet Gideon went on to do that. And do incredible things. So God thinks of us a lot better sometimes than we think of ourselves. Um, and we don't see ourselves worthy. But God sees the worthiness in our life. And, and if you imagine... If you're, self, if you're negative, I want you to see that God think, doesn't think negative about you at all. He sees great potential and hope in your life. And, and when he saw Peter, he said, Peter, you're a reed blowing around by the wind, but you're not going to be that. You're going to be a rock. Ever before Peter ever did anything and established anything and preached any messages, God saw something in Peter. I want to say he sees the same thing in us. Same thing in us. Sometimes, unfortunately, when we answer this question and say, well, who am I? Sometimes we can be influenced what other people say about us and we, and we think what, what others say about us. And I want to tell you tonight, you're not what other people say about you. Uh, you know, depending on what they say, of course, maybe it's not good what they say. You know, if you had parents who were unwise and what they spoke to and they said, oh, if you only you're like your brother, if only you're like your sister, you know, if you're like your brother and you're captain of every team and could run 100 meters in nine seconds, why aren't you like that? And that's an unwise parent who says that. But, you know, don't be dictated to by what maybe has someone has spoken over your life, you know. They say, you, you couldn't run, run out of sight in a foggy night. Yeah, I don't know what they'd say. But, you know, just you don't need to listen to that stuff. You need to realize that's not what God says about you. If you had parents like that, you need to realize God doesn't see you like that. God doesn't see you like that. Maybe, maybe you had a teacher who said, oh, you'll never amount to anything. Or some authority in your life that said, you'll never amount to anything. And, and it's not true. God never says that about us. He doesn't, don't let that you know, dictate to you uh, who you are. Um, there's a story of a principal who had a young man in his office because he wagged school for the day. 
uh, and uh, he went to play golf and the principal said you'll you can't wag school and never amount to anything you'll never amount to anything if you continue to do that and and by the way golf will never you'll never make a living out of golf and never get into school and the young man walked out of the office that day and he continued to play golf he didn't skip school anymore but he continued to play golf and not too many years down the track he became number one in the world spent 331 weeks as number one golfer in the world in the late 1980s and 1990s. And the young man who walked out of that uh, principal's office that day was Greg Norman. And of course, he was Australian, became, he was number one golfer for many years. And so we, I'm glad he didn't listen. Who's glad he didn't listen to that principle on that particular thing? And, and I just want to say, when Jesus asked that question, you know, uh, talks to Peter and starts to change, not just his name, but the very nature of Peter. God wants to do the same. He doesn't want you to be dictated to by what others have said about you. There's something else that doesn't really make up who you are, and you're not what you possess. Not only are you not what other people say, but you're not what you possess. And unfortunately, I see people walk through life and they think because of what they've got, the latest and greatest, that's who they are, that doesn't determine you. Um, you know, a Jeep is just a Jeep despite what the advertising says. If you've got a Jeep, that's okay, but <laughs> it's never going to make you who you are. If you have a nice unit on the Gold Coast, that's wonderful, brilliant, great, buy two if you can afford it, but realize it's never what's going to make you who you are. It's not what you've got that makes you who you are, it's who you are in here and what God wants to speak into your life and who God always created you to be. Would you agree? You can't take it with you. You ever heard of the millionaire? The millionaire in America, there's a wonderful, sad story. He, he was cremated millions and millions of dollars. But he, you know, he was cremated. They put him in his ashes in a beautiful little vase and they put him on the front seat of his Cadillac and they dug a hole big enough for him and the Cadillac to go in the ground and then they buried it all. I thought, what a waste of money. He could have given it to someone else. But he got buried with his Cadillac. Cadillac, Cadillac. His Cadillac was going to rust just like his body was going to be dust. Isn't that true? And so not only it's not what other people, it's not what other people say you are. It's not what you possess that makes you who you are. Uh, and here's another one. It's not what your behavior dictates to you. I want you to understand this one tonight because maybe we've all asked this question and faced this sometimes. Behavior, your behavior, my behavior is often based upon the choices we make and we have to make choices. We need a moral compass in our life, don't we? And that means making good choices, good moral choices. But unfortunately, people make bad moral choices and we've possibly made some bad moral choices in our life or made some decisions that weren't so good that we regret making. Um, you know, they tell me this behavior, you know, for in, in relation to drugs, they say for some people, one shot of a certain drug can form an addictive behavior just like that because it creates a chemical imprint in your life. And people can get addicted so easy sometimes. Um, but I want you to know if that was your past or that's been your life even present, that's not who you are. That, 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 that may be the behavior you may display, but that's not who you are. Okay? You say, yes, it is. No, no, it's not. It's just a behavior pattern that you're displaying at the moment. It's not who you really are. You know, it's the same with gambling. They say there's 100,000 people or around 100,000 people in Australia who are addicted on gambling. It's a $12 million problem in Australia every year. That's what they say. 
But gambling is, 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 and that addictive behaviour is not who you are. That's just a behaviour you're displaying. But who you are is far better than that. Would you agree? And I think maybe anybody's got that problem here. You see, we need to understand that your behaviour doesn't need to dictate to you who you are. And maybe there's some other issues, there's some other problems. Maybe you say, I just want to, you know, I just want to stop that eating habit sometimes. I just crave for this or that. And it's not who you are. You can do it, but realize God sees something greater in you or some other issue or some other thing that you say, well, I just wish I had the strength and control of that. See, there's a world of difference between all those things that I've just mentioned, what other people say you are, what your possessions say you are, what behavior says you are. Those are not what you are. God wants you to know who he sees you are. See, when he looked at Peter, he saw a man that, well, of course, he was Simon Peter. He saw a man that was just, you know, he wasn't the best person to pick to be a disciple of Jesus. Let's be honest about that. But he spoke into his life well before he ever changed. And it was a turning point for Peter's life. There was a moment in Peter's life when he was out in the boat in the early days, when before he really knew Jesus, and Jesus preached to thousands, and he was standing in Peter's boat, and Peter's listening. And, and then Jesus said to Peter, Peter, go out, let's go fishing out here. And he's, Peter says, I've fished all night, haven't caught a thing. And Jesus says, let's go. And Peter says, oh, on your word, I'll do it. He goes out, catches so many fish. And Peter has this revelation. He says, Jesus, away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Right there was a turning point in his life. He said, my behavior's like that. And, you know, and Jesus started to speak into his life and say, you were a sinful man, but you're going to be a, a better man. And I want to tell you, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus, not for us just here tonight, but there's hope in Jesus for every person on the face of the earth. Amen? For every life, for every person. No one is too far away. No, one, no person is too distant. Jesus can make the difference. God can change our names. And he did for Peter. From Cephas, the reed that was blown around by the wind, to Peter the rock, who became one of the greatest evangelists, greatest apostles, a great, uh, a great um, crusader for the message of Jesus Christ. Um, God can give you a new name. And when he gives you a new name, more than a new name, he wants to give you a new nature. He wants to give you a new life. And, uh, you know, the past life, uh, please understand, I don't, we don't excuse our behavior. Uh, we do things wrong. We've done failures and things like that. We don't excuse that. But I want to tell you, when we come to God, he makes a way for us to be able to be forgiven. And we repent of our past. And we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And we ask him to forgive our sins, and he gives us new life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. A new creation. You know, our past is a fact, but no longer needs to be an excuse. And I pray tonight that, you know, that you would see Jesus as more than just, don't see Jesus as just an insurance ticket for the future. You know, don't just say, well, I'm going to heaven and uh, I'm forgiven, and that's good enough. Why don't you see Jesus Christ as the person you need to live for now, full on, follower and disciple of Christ. Live for him, because he's lived for you, and he died for you, and he's given you a hope and a future. So, you know, what do you say? Who do you say Jesus is tonight? That's an important question. Another important question is, who does Jesus say you are? Well, he thinks amazing things about you 
Jesus sees the best of you when everybody else may see the worst. Jesus has nothing but good things because he knows who you, he wants you to be in him. Who do you say you are? You're not what other people say you are. You're not what your, um, all the things that you have say you are. You're not, what, you know, you're not what your behavior says you are. That can change. God can help you to change that and walk into his truth. I don't know if tonight we could just stand together. And for a moment, I want you to consider those questions.